Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter, or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, third week of More Than Conquerors series, and I've titled today's message, You're in a Spiritual Battle. We're all in a spiritual battle. You know, there's an enemy out there who's trying to to take you out and trying to take me out because they don't want to see the kingdom of God extended or his house built. And our key scripture today is what's up there, Romans 8.37. I think it's on the next slide as well. In all these things, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, in all these things. And what does he mean? He talks about in the scripture before that, in trials, in tribulations, in, in, in battles, in, in, in sickness, in, in hell, in all these issues of life that you get confronted with. He says that in all these things, whatever may be facing you right now, whether it's a bankruptcy, maybe there's an issue with a relationship at work, maybe there's just a fear or anxiety or depression, whatever you're facing, in all these things, you and I are more than conquerors, more than conquerors. We have more than the victory because of he who loved us, because of him who loves us. And that's talking about Jesus. In other words, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Greater is the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus himself inside of you than he that is in this world. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. That's basically what it's saying. And so whatever challenges you and I may be going through or battles we're facing, we all face them at different seasons in our life. And Sometimes it's really hard to see clearly. You know when you're going through something, you're, you're so caught up in the emotion of what it is, you actually can't see what's on the other side. You, 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 don't, you can't see clearly. It's fuzzy. And we think we know what should happen. We often, when we're in a scenario and you're in a battle or a challenge, you think, okay, this could happen, that could happen. But, you know, God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, he has options and plans and strategies for you to take up and walk through that you haven't even thought of. We think we know it all, but we only see limited. We only see temporary. He sees from the big picture. It says in Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Isn't that good? He, he's the way, mate. He wakes a way where there is no way. When you've exhausted, and I've exhausted all options and avenues, and we think we've got the, the whole thing covered and there's no way, he, just, he makes a way. Just something happens here. Something, he makes a way where there is no way that we could have never thought of. You see, we stumble in the dark while God sees above. See, in our challenge or our battle or our problem, we're kind of almost in a fog or, 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 or we can't see clearly. But he's a high He's up above and beyond, and he's also in the future. He, he looks back at your situation because he sees the end of it. He, he sees where it goes. He sees from above, and he sees from the future. He's on the other side of the storm speaking into your storm. He's the still small voice who's in peace out here calling into the storm you're in and encouraging you and giving you hope to continue. That's why we've got to listen to his voice where we're in the storm, where we're in the battle. See, don't go by what you see. Don't go by what you hear or what you feel especially. It's really hard, bud, isn't it, when you're in a challenge? To not go with your emotions or what you see with your eyes. But to listen to his voice. 
because he's got that helicopter view. He's calling out saying, hey, turn left, turn right, go this way. And you're like, oh, no, 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 I can't know what I'm doing. He says, listen to me. Just listen to the voice. Listen to my voice and I will steer you out of this storm. His ways aren't our ways. You know, when you're in the dark, it's really easy to stumble, isn't it? You ever been at, I've been at someone's house, stayed um, years ago and, and it was so dark, I couldn't, it was so dark I couldn't see a thing. And you, you like feeling walls. Have you ever done that in the middle of the night? Find the bathroom, feeling furniture, you, and you, you turn a light on, you realise you're in the opposite side of the room you're supposed to be, but you thought you were on track. I thought I was heading to the bathroom, but I was actually heading away from the bathroom because you get disorientated when you're in a storm, when you're in a battle, when you're in a challenge. So I go listen to the voice of God. You know, it's so easy, like in the dark, and you've got a rug. You could trip over a little edge of a rug, can't you? But when, and when it's light like this, it's not, it's not a problem. I'm not going to stress about it. I just walk over the rug. But when it's dark, you stumble over the edges of like a rug. Little things can trip us up. I remember years ago, we built this house. We had this bathroom and those doors that swing like that out of the shower. You know, they're common now, but they're only brand new back then. They're just 20 years ago. And when we opened our one, it, it would open in the middle of the doorway to the bathroom. Remember one night, somebody had a shower and didn't close it. It wasn't me. And in the middle of the night, I went to the bathroom in the dark. And it's like, bang, the whole, right through the middle of me. And the whole shower thing shook. I never forgot it because it was, it was a special moment. It was a special moment. In the dark, stuff can happen that in the light would never happen. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He shows us the way because he knows the beginning from the end. So when you have some light on a situation, it's a lot easier to walk than walking in the darkness. It's a lot easier to see those things that can trip you up, the little things that can trip you up. But we need to apply the word of God. We need to apply what the Bible says to, to our life. It's, it's, it's like having a torch. You know, there's some real fin dangle kind of $300 torches out there, aren't they? You know, you get big torches. You, you could say, you could go and buy a $300 torch to go camping and you have this thing, it's, it looks spectacular. It's, it's like that long. It's, it's a weapon if you've got a grizzly bear coming after you, isn't it, or a koala bear. You've got this, it's a weapon. It could take someone down. The thing can float in the water. It's platinum. It's, 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 got, all the, it's got lithium ion batteries. You can have the best battery, best torch in the world. The biggest torch in the world. You can walk around with that torch. You know, I'm, I'm the coolest guy on the campsite because I got the, the biggest torch. I'm just walking around with my torch. Look at this. Look at this baby, everybody. You know, no one's got a torch like this. But you know, unless you get the torch and you turn it on, it doesn't do anything. It's like people that have the biggest Bible. I've got the biggest Bible here. Yeah, look at my Bible. Man, this is old King James. It's the real Bible. Yep, it's a huge Bible, this one. You can walk around church with your big Bible under your arm. And you can know every doctrine, doctrine of Christ, the, 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 the doctrine of sin. You know every theological doctrine. You can, I've read the Bible back and forth. I, I know every story in the Bible. You can have the biggest Bible. You can walk around church knowing every story. But unless you apply it to your life, it does nothing. The Word of God is living and active. It's in a page of a book. It's just words. But when you read it and you digest it and you take it into your soul and you live out of it and you actually obey it, it is a light to your feet like the torch. Unless you grab that big torch, you turn that baby on and you light it in front of your feet and you start walking with it, it's not doing anything. So the Word of God is for our life. 
We need to apply it. We need to obey it. We need to do what it says. Then it becomes a light to our pathway. See, sometimes the word of God to us could be a still small voice. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Bible says. They've accepted Christ. Sometimes it's the words on the page. And sometimes it's a voice that speaks into our soul. The voice that speaks into our soul, the Holy Spirit, never contradicts the words that are on the page. Never contradicts. If you say, oh, God told me to go do this. Well, if that's against what the Bible in the Word says, the written Word, then that's not the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Bible told me I should um, steal that um, thing from work. The Holy Spirit said, sorry. Well, no, 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 the Bible doesn't. Uh, it, the Holy Spirit led me to that, that, that woman and, and I had an affair. That was, I, I felt it was God. No, 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 no. That's, that's against the Word. That's not the Holy Spirit. You know, the Word of God is what we measure everything against. And if it doesn't align up the two together, then we're in the wrong place. We're going to look at a guy today in the Bible called Job, or Job. It's Job. Job was this guy, and the book of Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible. And uh, he was this rich landowner. He was righteous, the Bible says. He was a statesman. You can picture him. He, he was wealthiest man in the East. And uh, he had lots of possessions and crops and cattle and family and houses. And, and, and there's this picture here where in one day, one day, he loses everything. He has a servant come and say, hey, a band of raiders just, just stole all your cattle. Um, a band of raiders just came and stole, burned all your crops or whatever. Your kids and your, your, your nephews and everybody were in a house, one of your houses, celebrating a feast. And the house came down and killed them all. Basically, in one day, servant after servant after servant came to Job with all this bad news. And in a day, he lost all his wealth, all his possessions. He was, he was a guy of, of incredible um, presence and statesmanly-like in his community. He he was looked up to, had credibility, and he loses everything in a day. And then we have this picture of Job in the dirt, just sitting there, as you would, depressed, mourning, loss of everything, just, just, oh, you know that feeling when you've lost everything. He's just in the dirt. And it said that he had a skin disease and he had these um, boils on him and he was getting rocks and stones to kind of break them and scratch them to kind of appease the pain. There's this picture of this what was Job to what Job became in this depression and bad stuff that happened? And you think that's bad, but then he gets a few friends who want to come and comfort him. Friends came and comfort him, and, and the friends kind of sat there for a bit, but then they started to put judgment onto Job. They didn't mean to, but they, everybody wants to work out why. Oh, Job, this happened to you because you must have sinned. Job, this happened because you're self-righteous. Job, this happened because something has happened in your life. Job, this disaster came to you because there's something wrong with your heart or, or whatever. And, you know, it's like those people when someone gets cancer, oh, you must have bitterness in, in, in your life. Like, what a heap of rubber. You, you, we can't judge somebody based on something that's happened to you. See, bad things happen to good people. Jesus was a good person, most righteous to ever live. And he was crucified upon a cross. A bad thing happened to a good man, but he rose again. See, bad things can happen to good people like you and me, just as it happened to Job. See, we sometimes want to sit there and we, we want to judge and we want to gossip and we want to, we want to, we want to kind of... Oh, I think this is my theory of why that happened in their life. I think they must have had this. Oh, they shouldn't have done... 
who are we to judge somebody else? It's not always the way we think it is. Because we see in the book of Job, it was none of those things. See, Job and his friends were trying in the middle of the storm of what was happening to him to make sense of it and work it out. But God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we know the book of Job. And we can see it. God's illuminated the book because we know what the end is. And in the book of Job... There is a spiritual battle, an unseen battle that Job and his friends can't even see, where the devil comes to God and says, Job only loves you because of everything you've given him and that you protect him. Take away your protection and see if he will curse you. So God says, okay, and the devil goes for it. And so all these natural things that happened in Job with the raiders and the house coming and all that was natural, but behind it was a spiritual force of evil, of darkness that was seeking to destroy Job's relationship with God. And see, in the end, Job did not curse God. His wife said, curse God and die. He did not curse God. He stayed faithful to God because God's word resided in him. He knew who God was from knowing God and from his word. And out of that, Job never gave in. Job continued in his pain and his suffering to follow God, to believe God. And in the end, we know that Job was given double of everything he had in the beginning. See, Job is a book of hope. A book of hope no matter what battle you're going through, no matter what storm you might be going through, there is a God of hope who can get you out the other side. Job came out the other side, bigger, stronger, and more blessed than he was before. Because there's a sovereign God. It's going to be okay. See, everything is going to be okay when our hope is in God. He knows what you need before you even ask him. The book of Job is a book of bright, bold hope, a seemingly dark situation with light at the end. But in the storm, in the battle, we've got to hold on to God and realize, you know what? There are forces out there that are seeking our destruction, that what we see isn't always what there is. My next point is God, God's word brings us victory. Let's go to some positives here. God's word brings us victory. See, the ancient Hebrews didn't separate God's word from God. They didn't separate God and his word. The word was as holy as God. The words that he spoke and that were written were as holy as God. They didn't separate his words from who he was. And that's why John says in the book of John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, the word of God became human form. Jesus Christ. The word of God came to earth in human form and was born of a virgin. Jesus is the word of God. God's word is important as God. God's God, but it's his word, if that makes sense to you. Don't challenge me on theology, theology of that. I don't want to explain it. Okay. The word strengthens us. That's why the name of Jesus is so powerful. The name of Jesus is powerful because it's the word in flesh. That's why we're saying the name of Jesus We're speaking the word when we say his name, the word of God. See, the word strengthens us. It says in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not, or woman, live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, you could go through a situation and, and, yep, you got food, that's great. But man, if you're going through something and God speaks a word to your spirit, if you're going through a storm, I don't want a piece of bread. I want a word from God into my soul. I want to read something in scriptures or Psalms or Proverbs and it to just go to my soul. Because God's word is eternal. It strengthens who we are for battle. 
It says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. Listen, the word of God, when it's in a book, it's just words on a page. But when it's in our life and we're applying it and we're living it, it says the word of God is living and active. The word of God is moving. The, the, the word of God is doing something. The word of God is challenging us. The word of God is living and active. It's powerful. They're just not dormant, dead words, but they're spiritually, spiritual weapons of power, of mass destruction, is the word of God. It's sharper, it says, than any two-edged sword. It's not blunt. It is sharp. It is precise. It is effective. It will perform that which it was sent to do. It's efficient. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God strengthens, it's a weapon, and also guides us. As I read in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to our path. See, when we're in a battle, we need the word to strengthen us. We're in a battle, we need the word as a weapon against our enemy. And we also need the word to be a light to our feet so we can strategize and know which way to go, which way to get through this. Where will the enemy be? See, sometimes the enemy might be just around the corner and you're going, yeah, I'm going to go the right, this is the best way. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, turn left. Turn. Oh, it doesn't make sense, Lord, because I don't like what's over there. He says, turn left. No, 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 over there looks so much better turning right. He says, just trust me, turn left. See, we just need to obey what his word says because he has our highest good in order. Thank you. It's a bit quieter today, isn't it, with a, a few less seats there? So you guys could get a little rowdy. Okay. Whoa. Next point is, who are we fighting? Who are we fighting? Job's battle was with this unseen force of darkness that he doesn't even aware of. And so often we kind of just live life and we just see this circumstance happen or that happened. Or, and we just kind of put it down to just natural stuff. But the Bible is really clear all through it that our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not with flesh. If we could put that scripture up, thanks, guys. Ephesians 13, um, 6 to 12, sorry. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, our battle is against a spiritual realm that is seeking our destruction. Your, your battle isn't with your boss. Your battle isn't with your husband or your wife or, or your children. Your battle isn't with that relative that really annoys you. Your battle isn't with depression or fear or poverty or rejection. It's not with that government department. See, our battle is in the spirit. Our battle is with forces of darkness. You see, the Bible says that you and I are created in the image of God. And the forces of darkness and Satan, we don't talk about this stuff too often, do we? Because it sounds a bit spooky. But, but they hate the Father. They hate the Creator. They hate God. And when they see you, they see the image of the Father. Because you're made in his image and, and, and forces of darkness are attacking you because they hate your father. They hate your father so much, they're trying to get at you. Because when they look at you, they see his image in your face. And they're there to seek the destruction of every human on the face of the earth. Whether you think you're in the battle or not, you're in a battle. You're just not aware you're in a battle. I think it's better to be aware that you're in the battle than be ignorant that we're in a battle. Well, next point is a spiritual enemy is defeated by spiritual weapons. So we don't f defeat the powers of darkness with flesh and blood. We don't defeat 
them with earthly things. We defeat them with spiritual weapons, spiritual tools. Ephesians 6, 13 to 18. It's a bit of a passage, but we're going to read it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. See, the Apostle Paul is painting this picture of a Roman soldier. And he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. See, the posture that Paul is painting a picture of is to be standing, not to be lying down, not to be sitting down. The posture is standing. And when the enemy is coming against you, stand. When you feel like falling, stand. And it's all going on around you. It says, stand, just stand, just stand, just standing and staring down the barrel of the enemy may be enough to hold him back and that he goes away. Resist and stand. Then it says, having fastened on the belt of truth. There's this picture of truth. Okay, what's the truth in this situation? Armor of truth around our waist. We know what the truth is. What's the truth in this situation? Then it says, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. That, hey, I don't have to be ashamed in this battle. Because I, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his, his death and his resurrection... My sins are forgiven, and I am righteous in God's eyes because of his son. When I come to him in repentance and ask for his forgiveness, I am right before God. I don't have anything to be ashamed of in this battle because I am righteous before God's eyes, and I can confidently fight this weapon, fight this war. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace, going into the battle with peace in your mind. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm righteous, I'm confident, I have peace, I know what truth is as we fight a battle. I know the cause, what I'm fighting for, truth. What is the truth? What is the cause? Is it a noble cause? Am I fighting on the right side? It's something we need in a battle to know what the truth is, that we can stand. Then it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You know, a lot of these kind of armor things we're talking about here, they're, they're things that we just wear. They're not actually... Um, that protective or defensive as opposed to attacking. And even the shield can be a bit of both, but it talks about the shield of faith. So you've got all this armor on, but then the enemy comes with you with lies, deception. They're darts, the Bible says, fury darts of the enemy. How do we fight against these fury darts of the enemy? We have a shield of faith that bang, bang, bang. Don't let it get to your mind. It's hard. But when we go, no, the word says, Faith says, all things are possible to he believes. Faith says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Faith says, greater is he that is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We get the shield of faith. Faith will put out the fiery dart that the enemy is throwing at you to bring our minds into captivity. Faith pushes it away. The helmet of salvation. Just know, hey, at the end of the day, whatever happens, I'm going to heaven. I'll go to eternity. If it goes pear-shaped, I'm with Jesus. Helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is our greatest aggressive armor weapon to fight our battle. Just as I said then, when the enemy comes against you, quoting scripture, it's a sword in your hand. It's a sword in your hand when the enemy's coming against you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me. Quoting, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does the word say? Speak it out like a sword against an enemy. 
What did Jesus say when Satan tempted him after he'd been in the wilderness? Jesus fought Satan himself with the scriptures. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, it is written. We need to quote, it is written against our enemy, our adversary. It is written, that is your sword. If we don't use our sword, then how can we defeat him? We've got to exercise the sword. We've got to use the sword. And then it says, with all prayer and supplication. We've got to pray. Praying through the battle. Praying for others in the battle. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the sake. Perseverance, just keep persevering. I don't feel like keep going. This is getting too hard. This is keep going. Persevere, 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 persevere. Stand, fight, wield the sword, use, use your shield, have your armor on. So, but there we got these basic truths. Our weapons are not of the flesh, but they're of the spirit. Truth, peace, faith, salvation, word of God, perseverance, and prayer. You know, everyone in this room can apply those things and do those things. Everyone in this room can do those things. It's like, you know, you go to a museum and they have like those mannequins and it might have like Japanese samurai soldier, out, you know, armor and everything. And it looks great. It looks really good. You might have like that special, special dress, Pastor Glenn, special dress in the cupboard. You might have that special suit. It's sitting in the cupboard. It's hanging there. But you know, unless that armor and those weapons come off the mannequin, unless your garments come out of the closet, and that actually you're wearing them, and you're actually living in them, and you're walking in them, and you're doing them, and you're applying them, then, then you're under attack and you're not, you're, you don't have your defenses, you don't have your weapons. And, and sometimes if the enemy can demobilize you, he's won the battle. I, I did that once and I failed. Yeah, I went to church once. Yeah, I went to a church, I got hurt, I stopped we, we, If he can demobilize you, he's won the battle. He's won the battle. You might be walking and breathing, but God wants you enlisted and fighting in his war. While you're in a seat and you're not active, the devil's had his, had his, he has his way. He's got it. You're, you're not talking to people about Jesus. You're not sharing God's love. You're not reading his word. You're not warring. You're not fighting for your family and your friends and praying for them. So I want to encourage you to put on your active wear. Put on your, your, your clothes that, that, that are of your spiritual clothes. Put them on every morning. Read your word. Read your Bible. Pray. Seek the God of heaven. Fight a good fight with the words of God. Listen to his voice. For guidance. If the musicians could start to head up, thanks. So you're in a spiritual battle whether you like it or not. Whether you think you are or not, it doesn't matter. The reality is you're in a spiritual battle. Whether you know Jesus or not, you're in a spiritual battle. We're on the earth and we're human. And you look like the image of the creator and he hates the creator, so you're a target. Humanity's a target. When we go through these battles, we can't see clearly. We don't always know what's going on, like Job. He had no idea that there was this cosmic spiritual battle that, that it was after to destroy him. He had no idea that they were seeking for him to curse God. He had no idea, idea what was happening. No idea. But it was still happening. You know, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. There's a spiritual enemy. Sometimes we think how, we, we know how it should go and what should happen. But Isaiah says this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, 
We stumble when we're in the dark. We can't see clearly, but we need God's light to shine and everything becomes a lot easier. That rug that you tripped over last night, crazy stuff. How did I trip over that rug? As soon as there's a bit of light, oh, that's easy. Why didn't I see that before? That comes from His Word. His Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So you can know your enemy. See, in some ways, what I'm saying today is God's Word. Well, it is God's Word. And it is putting a light onto your mind and your heart that there's a spiritual battle that you might have even thought of before. God's Word right now is illuminating that there's a spiritual battle. If He can demobilize you even and make you ineffective as a vessel for God, then He's had the victory. But God's Word is a powerful weapon to fight against whatever you're facing. Whatever's coming against you, your family, your marriage, your children, your workplace, His weapon is the most powerful, His Word is the most powerful spiritual force that there exists. I'll finish with Romans 8.37. It says, Yet in all these things, in all these things, whether it be a storm, a trial, persecution, whatever, depression, fear, uncertainty, coronavirus, whatever it is, we are more than conquerors. We have victory, not in ourselves, but because who we are, because of Christ inside of us, we have the victory. If we could just stand this morning, I just want to pray over us as a church. If everyone could just stand that would be great and I just want you if you're comfortable just to put your hands out to the side of, or, or just open your heart up if, if that's all you can do and I just want to pray over us as a church and, and over you and your family even if you don't know Jesus okay I can still pray for you God's hand is not short that he cannot save his ears are not deaf that he cannot hear Heavenly Father I just pray Father over this church Father and I just thank you Lord for your victory we come against every principality, every power, every force of darkness that would come against the church, this leadership, the strategic place you've placed this church, Father, in this community. And we come against you, Satan, and your hordes in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. We pray, Father, for victory. We pray, Father, that we would be a destroyer of the enemy, Father. We pray that you would birth something new in this house, Father, that you would do a great and a mighty work, that we would be a lighthouse to this community, Father, and people will be saying what has gone on at Encounter Church, that the God of heaven will pour out a blessing and anointing, that you would give us a destiny, Father, that would change this city, Father. And I pray for every individual, every family, Father, every person in this room. I pray for strength in their core, in their being, Father. I pray for a new fire in their soul. I pray for fresh vision and fresh revelation, Father, that you would cause people that are dormant to come alive, people that have been asleep to come awake, Father, people that have been demobilised, Father, to take up the weapons of warfare and come against that enemy, Father, that your kingdom would be extended, Father. And I just pray for a new fire in our souls, Father. You would bring a new transformation in every human life, Father. Things that we've been tackling that are hard and tough would begin to open up. I pray for a breakthrough, a breakthrough in our lives, Father, as we face each day and each battle, Father. You would give us the victory over our enemy, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together, church, to the Almighty God. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepherded.